Shalom, this is Reverend John Ferret of Light of Menorah Ministries. And it's been 19 years ago since I began this uh, amazing journey that has resulted in Light of Menorah Ministries. As many of you aware, it's a Bible teaching ministry and we have a unique focus. Our focus is on the archaeology and the history and the geography and the customs and culture and even on the languages of the ancient Middle East. And not just only Israel. Uh, talking about the archaeology and the history and the, and the customs and culture of ancient Egypt or Greece or ancient Babylon. Now the purpose then is to put the Bible into its historical context. And by doing so, we attempt to reconnect to those first believers to try to understand what they heard, to try to understand what they saw in God's word and what did they understand. Once we understand how they looked upon the Bible, how they understood it, because it was written to them. It was written to them 2,000, 2,500, 3,000, 3,500 years ago. We'll be able to see and hear and understand God's word in a more expanded and enhanced idea. One of the resources that I use is the Archaeological Study Bible. This was developed by the scholars at Gordon Conwell, Theological Seminary in Massachusetts. They didn't rewrite the Bible, the Archaeological Study Bible. Uh, I'm looking at the NIV version. So, I mean, it's a typical translation that we're very familiar with. They also have it available in the King James. But what they did is enhanced the Bible with articles, with references, uh, with other resources throughout the Bible to help us reconnect uh, to the historical context uh, of the various books of the Bible. And one of the things that they're attempting to do is to provide us a tool, a tool to combat the dangerous postmodern biblical views that are present today in 21st century uh, Christianity. There are those who say, let's forget the context. I just want it to mean whatever I want it to mean. I'll interpret it the way I want to with no foundation, no hook, you might say, to the actual real interpretation of how it was meant to be understood 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 years ago. Now, this being said, I believe there's a verse for such a time as this. I'm using that phrase from Esther chapter 4, verse 14. And the verse that I'm looking at for such a time as this happens to be Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's many of you that say, wait a minute, I know this. But reading from the New American Standard Bible, and I'll be using the New American Standard Bible uh, for all the readings in here. It says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when we listen to that verse, I think all of us agree that, that it's so obvious that today we face a worldwide crisis. There is a pandemic of the Wuhan virus. And all around us, there is panic. There's fear. There's worry. So when we take a look at this verse, to be anxious for nothing, 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to god it, it, it's so obvious how it's applicable for today in everything in every aspect of the crisis that we're in however the point that i want to make is this verse was not written to us it it was written to us but it was written to jewish believers and Gentile believers nearly 2,000 years ago in a city called Philippi. So we want to put the verse back into its historical context. When we look at this and try to reconnect to those days, we try to determine when it was written and how they may have understood it. Now, it so happens in Philippians in chapter 1, in verses 12 through 14, we get hints as to the proper way of dating this book. So in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, and again reading from the New American Standard, it says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment, there's the key word, in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord, because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Paul does not say where he was imprisoned. From a study of the Bible itself, uh, the study of Acts and the other letters uh, from Paul, we find out that he was imprisoned at several different times in Corinth in 50 A.D., uh, likely in Ephesus in 54 to 57 A.D., someplace in that time period. Not that he was imprisoned from 54 to 57 A.D. for three years, but someplace during that time period. Likely imprisoned in Caesarea, someplace between the time frame of 58 to 60 A.D., and then in Rome after 60 A.D. Uh, to 63 A.D. Scholars look at these various times of Paul's imprisonment. They say that it seems likely that he probably wrote this letter to the Philippians probably before 60 AD from his imprisonment either in Ephesus or in Caesarea. Again, we don't have sufficient information to pinpoint the place, but we can definitely say regardless whether he did this in Rome, whether he did this in Corinth in 50 AD or whatever, this was nearly 2,000 years ago. And when we realize that this letter to the Philippians was written nearly 2,000 years ago, here's the point. The point is, the only Bible that they had at that time was the Old Testament, or as I like to call it, the Hebrew Scriptures. And the foundation of the Hebrew Scriptures, the foundation of the Old Testament for those believers then was the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That's the foundation of it all. And 2,000 years ago in this city of Philippi and in the other, most of the believers were Jewish. And obviously there was an influx of Gentiles coming into the faith of the Christian church. So those Messianic Jews and Gentiles in Philippi, all they had was the Hebrew scriptures. Imagine this. The world, I mean, these early Christians changed the world with the Old Testament. These early Christians changed the world with the Torah. J just amazing. Jesus says in John chapter 5, I think it's, it's in verse 39, that all scripture testifies of me. We can prove 
that he says this between 24 to 30 AD. Unequivocally, that's history. So if Jesus is saying that all scripture testifies of him in 24 to 30 AD, for them, the hearers of what Jesus is saying, the only Bible, the only scripture they had was the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. So that's interesting because what Jesus is saying is the gospel is in the Old Testament. The kingdom of God and the understanding of the kingdom of God is in the Old Testament. It's all there. And so for these early Jewish Christian believers and these early uh, Gentile Christian believers, all they had was the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, to rely on to understand what Paul's teaching. So knowing this, we ask ourselves the question, how did these Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentile believers to almost 2,000 years ago, how did they hear Philippians 4, 6 through 7? What may have gone through their minds related to the only Bible that they knew? And then, how does it relate to us in the midst of these difficult and uncertain days? I like to look at these uncertain days as if we were in a high, high, or we were on a high, high, narrow ledge on a very, very high cliff. So you've got this narrow ledge, there's no handholds, there's nothing, and it is scary. It's difficult to go on. We can barely take a step because our breath is taken away because of the danger that we feel of walking on this narrow, narrow ledge on this high, high cliff where one false step and we're dead. It's almost the way I feel even today in the midst of the crisis. So how did those first Christians possibly have related to this verse? Those religious Jews depended upon the Hebrew scriptures. They depended upon the written word, and that would be the Old Testament, which told them about God and what he is. So let's take a look at the verse Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And let's just take a look at the first few words. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Now the word anxious there is the Greek word, and I'm hope, hoping I pronounce it correctly, is merima, merima. And it doesn't mean worry. So those people who might say that, you know, worry, don't worry about anything. It, it, the, the Greek has more of an idea of don't be drawn in many directions. Because if you're drawn in many directions, you're going to be confused. You're going to be perplexed. And you're going to be questioning what's the right way, what's the wrong way of doing things. Now, for those first Christians, which are mostly Jews, they had pictures of deep theological concepts in the Hebrew scriptures with concrete pictures that are familiar with all of us. So this is a possibility, a possibility of how they may have looked at this phrase, and that phrase is be anxious for nothing but in everything. We're going to go to Psalm 91, verse 1. In Psalm 91, verse 1, we read, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, as all Psalms are part of the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, this would have been something very familiar to the Messianic Jews. And then the Messianic Gentiles, as they're taught the Bible, 
by their Jewish brothers and sisters. But in Psalm 91.1, the Hebrew word there, he who dwells in the shelter, the Hebrew word is seter. You might spell it S-E-T-T-E-R in terms of a transliteration of the Hebrew. And it means a hidden encampment. So we should read it as he who dwells in the hidden encampment of the Most High. David is inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us a picture of us and God. Now, 21st century Christians, us, we certainly have the Holy Spirit as our guide and as our teacher. That's a promise by Jesus himself. So definitely we can say we have valid perspectives on our understanding of his word. But the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is our guide. And God has given us a mind and he's given us the desire to understand his word in a deeper and more profound way. So as we take those verses and put them back in its historical context, we want to learn more about the Bible. And the Holy Spirit is going to enhance and expand our understanding. But the Holy Spirit, God himself, wants us to keep studying, to go deeper. And because God's word is wider than wide, higher than high, deeper than deep. And so as we go in and put it into its historical context, we definitely will have our faith enhanced. So for those early Jewish Christians, they, as long with and, and us, we would say definitely that we are human, and as human beings created in God's image, we have a body and a soul. And if we're truly believers, if we are God's sons and daughters, according to Paul in Romans 8.15, that we're called as sons and daughters of God, and we call our Father Abba. It's like that we live every minute in two different realms. One, the body living here on earth and experiencing normal human everyday life, but then our soul is in a hidden encampment, an unseen camp. Now, it's not that God has an unseen camp, but God is trying to give us a picture of a deep truth so that we can understand this deep truth about our relationship with him. As Christians, we are always dwelling with him and he with us. So is this perhaps a way those Messianic Jews 2,000 years ago in the city of Philippi, along with their Gentile brothers and sisters in the Lord and the faith, is this perhaps how they related to the idea that be anxious for nothing. Because indeed they dwell in the hidden encampment of the Lord. That picture to talk about the fact that they are dwelling with God and God dwelling with them constantly. But is there more? Is there more that they may have understood in this verse? In the center, in the hidden encamp, what we find is that we are always in the Father's shadow. Now, that's amazing. I, I, I picture a boy and his dad at a beach, uh, someplace, whether it's on the ocean or whether on one of the nice beaches in one of the many lakes here uh, in Minnesota. And they may be playing catch. They may be just being father and son on the beach. And I see the dad standing there, perhaps at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 
and I see the dad's shadow on the beach. Can you see it? And his son, his boy, is in that shadow. He's so close to his dad, and he's never out of that shadow. Imagine the boy playing so that no matter where he goes, no matter where he is on the beach, he's always in the shadow of his father. And that's exactly what this verse is trying to convey. That when we dwell in the hidden encampment of the Lord, that we can never escape the shadow of our Father. He is that close to us. So here is God giving us a Hebrew picture. And that Hebrew picture conveys a deep spiritual truth. God uses things that are so familiar to us that we can relate to so easily. And this is the Jewish mindset. And he uses this to help us go deeper in understanding our relationship with him and his relationship with us. So we live in the midst of danger and chaos, panic and death. We're miremah. Okay, we are in a crisis. We are in these days of danger and the chaos and the crisis that we're in draws us in all sorts of different directions. We have the questions, what do we do now? How do we face this? But as his sons and as his daughters, we dwell in his camp. And he's right there. He can never abandon us. We can't escape from his shadow. He's there with us 24-7. This is an amazing truth in every aspect of our lives. Even in the midst of the chaos and the danger and the crisis that's around us, we will not be drawn into every direction. We will not be perplexed or confused because we will say, no, we dwell in the encampment of the Lord and we are in his shadow. He is always with us. And understanding that God is so close to us. So for those first Jewish believers and those first Gentile believers, they may have understood it this way. All they had was the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. And God gave them concrete pictures, concrete actions to help them understand deep and complex spiritual truths. And for us too, we believers in Jesus, disciples of Adonai Yeshua, as we connect to those days, it deepens and enhances our understanding as well. Our God brings us in his hidden camp. We're in there right now in the midst of this global crisis. And we are constantly relying on his closeness to us. We're not alone. We are always in his shadow. In the next lesson, let's consider the next phrase. The next phrase, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. And you say, huh? Thanksgiving? I mean, we're going to pray and through supplication and with thanksgiving. Thank him for what? What do we thank God for? The pandemic is getting worse. The economic crisis in our country and in the world is getting worse. The chaos deepens. Thank with thankfulness. How can this be? So again, let's connect to those early 
first Messianic believers, those first Christians. Watch for the next email. And indeed, let's consider how our ancestors in the faith would see and hear and understand so that we can see and hear and understand so that they can help us, God can help us, the Holy Spirit can help us enhance our walk with Him and expand our knowledge of His Word. Shalom.